everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the Astros cap off a remarkable season with a World Series title. The elder statesman among the championship four takes home the NASCAR Cup Championship. UFC 28, live under the bright lights of Madison Square Garden. The Indianapolis Colts are looking for answers at the head coaching position. We're halfway through the NFL season. Who's hot and who's not? Clemson gets exposed in South Bend, recapping last week's college football games and previewing week 11's biggest games. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. We're here on a on a Thursday night in Matt's basement. Um, decent decent night outside, but uh, we're gonna gonna talk a bunch of wide variety of sports here. Got a bunch of topics from a bunch of different sports worlds. So we're gonna. It's just uh, <clears throat> just myself and Matt in the studio tonight. The, the chief uh, had a minor surgery today and just wasn't feeling up to it, and is at home home recovering. So he'll be uh, he'll be back next week. And uh, but but we're gonna gonna fill in and, and fill the gap here, Matt and I. So. <laughs> Just going to be the two of us filling in here, and you know, like Matt said, our first topic of the of the evening of the evening is going to be, uh, you know, recapping kind of the World Series, talking about, you know, the Astros kind of kind of dominance late late in this, uh, you know, in this World Series. Um, you know, Phillies really had a had a chance there, mm-hmm. or, you know, thought they had a, had a chance, but the Astros really showed why they, you know, won 106 games in the regular season and why they were, you know, the more superior team in this in this one, Matt. So yeah, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it was looking like the Phillies had a real shot when they took a, a two-game-to-one lead in this thing after three games. But, the, you know, the, the superior talent of the Astros really kind of took over here. You could really see that talent gap. The Astros just have too many options. The Phillies can't hold them all down. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Phillies did a remarkable job, the, the heck of a job getting here to the World Series. Right. It just They just didn't have enough. And, mm-hmm. I mean – the Astros could have had multiple guys end up being the MVP. Right. It was their shortstop, uh, Jeremy Pena, who mm-hmm. ended up being named MVP. Right. Went two for four in that final game, and he was 10 for 25 in the series with a home run. So, right. you know, hats off to the Astros for building a great team and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, doing what they were supposed to do and win it all. Right, yeah. And, you, you know, you talk about Pena. I mean, he, he, you know, coming into this, you know, the playoffs in general, wasn't really well known as kind of an offensive guy, more, mm-hmm. you know, for his defense and his glove. Uh, but, you know, was really the – and and not one of the big names that you talk about on that Astros, you know, roster, obviously up and down, you looking up and down that lineup, they got, you know, big names or, you know, star players that, you know, everybody knows. And, and Pena is not, you know, one of those guys that you talk about a lot, but he, he had a remarkable, you know, remarkable playoffs and, and, you know, an even better world series. Um, so, you know, hats off to him for winning that, that, you know, illustrious MVP award, but, you know, like Matt said, I mean, I, I think the difference was, was the pitching for Houston yeah. in this, in this series, you know, at least games four, five, and six, I mean, you look at it, the Phillies only had a combined three runs in those, in those, you know, three games. I mean, and two of the three runs were solo shots by, by Schwarber. So it's, yeah, obviously compared to, you know, the first few games there uh, for the Phillies, they, they really had the bats going, but, the Astros, you know, they 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 shut it down real quick, right. and in the games that that mattered, when their backs were you know kind of up against the wall, or you know people kind of were doubting them, they they really showed out and showed why they 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 were the better team. But uh, you know, the, the the Astros win their second World Series title um, in franchise history. You know, the first one being back in you know 2017, which obviously some people you know there'll always be some kind of a, a, a blemish on that one, or, you know, people will always talk about that one is, you know, they got caught with the cheating scandal. Obviously this second one, 
I don't know if it if it takes away from from that or or not, but uh, you know, obviously they were able to win one, hopefully clean. You know, hopefully there won't be any issues or doesn't come out anything later on that there were any issues. But as at at the moment, they you know won it won it fair and square, and you know, um, obviously you have have a heck of a team down there, and um, you know, hats off to their to their man, you know, Dusty Dusty Baker. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, is been oh so oh so close yeah Yeah. oh so close to you know winning a world series title as you know as a manager um but you know just couldn't couldn't get it couldn't get over the hump and you know was finally able to do it and um from what i hear he's he's going to be back again for him for him next year so i mean obviously older older guy so you never know when it you know might be his last you know his last game um but he uh yeah read some reports that he's you know planning on making his way way back and be the manager for for next year i mean this guy that has over two thousand career wins as a as a manager, um, and has led five different teams to the to the playoffs. So yeah, he's been around a long time, and you know has been you know has had good stops. You know everywhere he's everywhere he's been, um, and you know still looking to you know potentially make another run at, at a World Series again mm-hmm. again next year. So we'll see we'll see what happens with the with the Astros team. Um, you know another thing, um, you know to talk about here with with that the uh, the Astros obviously they're. Their ace and, and Justin Verlander, you know, just shy of four years old. Um, yeah, actually, just go out on top here, right? But it. I, uh, I, I hear or I saw something uh, right before the show where he's uh, actually going to opt out, opt out of his con- his final year of his contract and test free agency. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean that he's not, you know, going to come back to Houston, but he's going to come back to Houston at a, at a price. And right. I mean, at 38 years old or 39 years old, whatever, whatever he is, I mean, he had a remarkable season. So. I can only imagine what that what that you know paycheck or what that price tag might be. Um, you know, I, we'll see we'll see what he does. I mean, at this point, if he's going to leave, it, it's probably going somewhere where he knows he can have another good shot at winning the World Series. Oh, or, or maybe not. Maybe now it's just a money grab. Right. He, maybe he's done it all. He's, right. Yeah. He's done everything he wants to do. In could the league, could so. be. Um, we'll we'll see. You know. Yeah. Who who's able to? Yeah. Just you know, pay him that that bigger paycheck, but. Um, it could could be the Astros, could be somebody else that he's pitching for next season. So that's you know just a couple of storylines, you know, with the Astros at trying to repeat next year. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their manager coming back, but you know their ace pitcher, which I mean their their starting pitching is pretty good up and down. You know, pitchers one through four are pretty pretty solid. So we'll see if they you know if they uh, take the bait on on Verlander and and pay him, or, or if they let him let him walk in in free agency. Yeah, I mean, and also looking at this Phillies team, if they can keep this team together next year, I, I think they finally built that chemistry and mm-hmm. and put something together here. I, I think they'll have great momentum going in the next season. They've got a manager that can stick with them now, right. and yep. you know, I I think I look for nothing but good things from them. And if they can add a couple pieces, they can be right back here at this point next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think just adding that experience. I mean, if you look at this Phillies team, this team, you know, wasn't expected to be where they're at, or you know, wasn't expected to get you know where they were. Um, but on top of that, I mean, they, they just didn't have as much playoff experience right. as, as the I mean, when you, those... you look at the one guy who stepped it up in the World Series, it was the guy who won a World Series with the right. Chicago Cubs yeah. a few seasons yeah, back. Absolutely. So I, I don't think he was hindered by the lights of the of the moment right. where he, some of these other guys. Yeah, I've been. never been there, never yeah. been in that moment. Uh, but yeah, like you said, that's that's good insight there, Matt. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber, obviously, with the Cubs, you know, had his at his moment there. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I, I think a lot of those guys, yeah, this not only their first world series, but you know, kind of playoffs first playoffs in general. In general. So it's uh, yeah, definitely just a new experience for, for them, but uh, yeah, hopefully they can kind of keep that team intact and, you know, make another run, uh, you know, next year and, you know, maybe get over the hump and, and actually bring one back to, back to Philly. So yeah. 
we shall see. But uh, so that that wraps up ball for for the year until you know until the spring time. Um, but now we're gonna switch it over. We're gonna recap another different different sport, uh, different championship here. Head over to the racetrack here and talk about uh, the the impressive victory there for for old Joey Logano, who uh, you know got his second uh, NASCAR Cup Championship uh, Series um, in his in his career. Um, but uh, you know it's pretty pretty impressive. I don't think you can say anything but but total dominance there yeah. in in the final race. Um, you know, and I think uh, you know Dad had mentioned it you know on the previous show that uh, you know pretty much the last four or five drivers that are in that kind of final four grouping, one of the four has always won the final race. Right. And that trend continued here, you know, in the, in this one, uh, Matt. So what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, hats off to Logano. He really left no doubt in this thing. He led 187 of the 312 laps. But I'll tell you what, Ross Chastain really, he kept things interesting. Right. He did everything he could to have a chance at the end. He yeah. ended up finishing third for the race and right. second for the championship. I'll tell you, Chastain didn't make himself any friends in this race either. He, mm. He, uh, he got into a little accident there with uh, Chase Elliott, mm-hmm. knocking him out of the race. And now, you know, his championship hopes out the window right. there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Elliott felt it was a little bit intentional. And there, there were some words after the race. So, right. you know, Chastain isn't doing himself any favors for, for going into next, next year, year with yeah. some friends. But, yeah. you know, we'll see. He had, he had a great year for him. This is really the first year I can remember him really being up there and being talked about mm-hmm. and dominant. So yeah. he, I think he's finally figuring something out. He's got He's got a a team behind him now that can, can help him. And he's got more resources than he's had in the past and he's showing, showing what he can do. So, yeah, you know, I, I think he's got a good chance of being there again next year. Chase Elliott, you know, he's going to be back again mm-hmm. next year. He's been in it ever since he's gotten to the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these guys all did great. Uh, mm-hmm. Christian Bell in this race, he was the, the fourth guy here. He finished 10th yeah. in, in the race and that put him at good enough for third on the, the overall points, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, you know, like Matt mentioned kind of in the intro, you, you know, the elder statesman, you know, Joey Logano at, at 32 years old is actually the oldest of the final four drivers, which, you know, you look at 32, that doesn't seem to be, be that old, but you know, the other guys, obviously, you know, much, much younger in their, in their twenties or, you know, whatnot, but he was also the most experienced driver. Yeah. Um, this is his fifth appearance being in that kind of final four since they've kind of gone to that, you know, playoff format. So I think that kind of kind of showed up. I mean, he he obviously knows this track well, has been around NASCAR for a while, um, and and just you know been in this kind of you know final four moment quite a few times, and know you know kind of the ins and outs and what it takes to uh, you know come out on out on top, and you know that's that's what he did, and you know hats off to him. Like I said, this is second you know championship that he's captured, and, and uh, that's actually a very short list of drivers who have actually won more than one championship. Right, I think so it's uh, 17, 17. Yeah. He's the seventeenth driver to to do that, and actually um, a stat that you know puts that even a little bit more into perspective. Um, he's actually the first multi-time champion for Ford wow. since nineteen sixty-eight, sixty-nine. You know, so it's been a while since they've had a Ford you know win multiple you know multiple championships. Mm-hmm. So you know, whatever, whatever they had in that, in that Ford car, it, it was, you know, the difference maker when it came, uh, you know, came playoff time. So Logano will enjoy, you know, enjoy this one. And, you know, the, the season wraps up here, um, but, you know, we'll be back here, you know, in just a handful of months, you know, NASCAR will be starting, starting right back up. So it, it, it seems like it, it goes pretty, pretty fast yeah. before we're talking about, you know, the start of the season. So we'll see, uh, you know, what, what can happen. I mean, like, like, uh, you know, we talked about a lot, uh, a lot of new faces in this playoff, you know, at the, at the start of it, you know, we'll see if, 
you know, that, that continues, or we see some of those guys that were, you know, some of those household names that we're used to seeing, you know, get their revenge and, you know, get back in the playoffs or, you know, we'll see, see what happens for next year. But uh, overall, I think, uh, you know, great playoffs. And I think again, another great showing for, for NASCAR and in, mm-hmm. in the fact that the top four guys, you know, one of those top four guys won, actually won the right. race. I mean, I think that's, that's ultimately yeah, what you'd want really to prove, see. Proven something. Right. That they right. deserve to be the champion. That they're not just, you know, kind of just racing for, you know, position. They're not right. just trying to finish the highest that they can among the four. They're actually trying to go out there and actually win, win the right. race. And it's funny because that's what they were really worried about when they started this whole playoff mm-hmm. format that, well, they weren't, they weren't going to be trying to win. They'd just be trying to, have the the, best in front position. of the other yeah. one, you know, as as far in front of the pack mm-hmm. as as the rest of them or whatever. But yeah, no, they they uh, you know are proving that you know this this playoff format might be might be working. And yeah. like I said last week, it it was a sold out you know sold out crowd for at, at Phoenix. And so I think you know NASCAR may be trending in the in the right direction. Or that's definitely you know what what you want to see if you're you know trying to keep the sport alive and you know keep it keep it growing. Yeah, so. Absolutely. All right. Well, enough uh, NASCAR talk. We're actually going to switch it up to a, to another different topic here. We're going to go over to the Octagon and talk about UFC 281 um, that's happening this this weekend. Um, going to be in a kind of a different venue than than where we're usually uh, used to seeing it. It's going to be uh, live in New York City uh, at Madison Square Garden um, this this Saturday. So it's going to be uh, going to be uh, <clears throat> the the main fighter. You know, the main um, title fight that everybody's going to be kind of Tuning into is going to be uh, uh, Alex Pereira um, at six and one, going up against the current belt holder in Israel Adesanya at twenty three and one. Um, this is a middle middleweight title fight, which uh, anywhere between one hundred and seventy one and one hundred and eighty five pounds is uh, kind of the the middleweight um, you know title fight there. So it's going to be going to be a good one, going to be interesting. Um, you know, since, uh, you know, Adan Sanya's been in this middleweight group, he's a perfect 12 and 0 and defended that title five different times, um, going for, going for number six in this one. Um, but it's actually kind of interesting here. There's a little bit of a, of a backstory here. So before Adan Sanya, you know, made his jump to the UFC, he had a kickboxing career, phenomenal kickboxing career. Um, but his last fight before he joined the UFC was actually a third round knockout by none other than Alex Pereira. Hmm. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see, you know, it, how that translates to the UFC. Obviously we're doing a little bit more than just, you know, kickboxing in this one. We're, we're doing yeah, the, the whole land one. Yeah. We're doing the whole shebang here. So we'll see, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what happens here. I mean, obviously uh, Pereira has, you know, kind of a, a small sample size with only a record of six and one. Um, but his, his three fights he's had so far in UFC, he's won, you know, won all three of them. So uh, we'll, we'll see if he can continue that streak. Obviously, he's got his hands full. Um, Israel has been, you know, very dominant at this at this weight class. But, uh, you know, Vegas Vegas likes Pereira slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, he is still an underdog, but his underdog odds are actually the best of any of, you know, his other opponents that Adesanya's face. So definitely, you know, uh, you know, Vegas thinks that this is going to be a, be a close fight. I, I think, think it could go, you know, all five, all five rounds, but I think ultimately Izzy will come, come out on top. Well, you know, that's, that's what I found interesting about these two fighters. Uh, Israel Adesanya of his 23 wins, 15 of them have been by knockout. The other eight have came decisions. So they mm-hmm. went the distance. Yeah. Uh, Pereira of his six wins, five of them have been knockout yeah. one's a decision. So these two guys are either knocking each other out or, or they're going, going the distance. Five rounds. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look forward to a, to a great fight and 
you know, Pereira's definitely got that puncher's chance mm -hmm. when, when both these guys are knockout fighters. So, right, right. you know, anything can happen here. But I'd, I'd imagine probably Adesanya is going to take it home. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously the uh, the other title fight that's on on the on the card here, and that's in the women's uh, women's realm. We got a strawweight title fight, which is uh, 106 to 115 pounds. That's uh, between the number two ranked uh, Zhang Wiley, 22 and three, going up against the current champion in Carla Esparza at 20 and six. Um, in this one, I think it's going to be interesting because uh, actually the champion is is a pretty big underdog in this fight. Uh, Wiley, I believe, is uh, like four to one odds to to win this thing compared to Esparza, you know, quite a quite a big uh, underdog, and and she's the belt holder and you know has a has a six you know six fight win streak coming into this one. Um, but you know, I think people are looking at it. And if you look at her last six wins, four of the six have either come via a split or a majority decision. So it, it's come down to the judges making the, you know, making the call on, <clears throat> excuse me, whether she's the victor or not. And actually she's probably used to being in this position because of those six fights, she's also been the underdog in five of those six fights. So she's really got a lot to prove here. Or, you know, I think, uh, you know, if she can come out on top in this one and really show that she deserves to be the champion, I, I think, yeah, she, she definitely will, will prove everybody wrong if she can continue her dominance and continue to hold that, hold that belt there. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be, you know, a couple title fights, you know, like I said, men, right. men and women, uh, Matt, did you have anything on, on that fight? Yeah. Too? I mean, really looking at this one, I, I thought this was also interesting as well, that as far as of her 20 wins, four of them have been knockout four submission, 11 of them have been decision though. So, yeah. you know, she sits there, it, it goes the whole way right. for Wiley Zhang. Uh, she's had 11 knockouts, mm -hmm. seven submissions, only four of hers has gone to decision. Right. So, you know, I, I feel like she's the more, uh, offensive fighter right, aggressive. i think she's gonna come yeah. after esparza yeah. and you know that could spell some doom for esparza i think wiley's got a real good shot to win this thing. yeah yeah another one just a, another fight that's you know not on a title fight but it's a, a main card one and that's the uh the lightweight uh fight between number five michael chandler at 23 and 7 and for two dustin poirier at 28 and 7 if nothing else you know i don't have a whole lot on this on this fight i, I think this one could be could be fireworks mm -hmm. these two guys they like to throw punches. They like to go, you know, go at it. I think we could see some blood, some a bloodbath in in that one, um, you know. And, and and these guys are trying to, you know, prove because probably, you know, if they win this one, that's who's going to be the next one that's going to get their get their title fight, you know, in that in that one. So they're both out there to prove, you know, hey, I got something to prove here. I, I think I can take down the champion. And, and what better way than, you know, have these two guys that, yeah, like I said, just like to throw punches and like to, you know, get after it. So, yeah, I think Poirier's kind of got the edge here. Chandler, in his last three fights, he's only won one of the three. Uh, so he, uh -huh. he's kind of on a bit of a slide here. Right. And Poirier's, you know, he's kind of on the uptick. And, right. you know, I just remember his couple of fights there with Conor McGregor there, right. you know, what, a year or two back yep. now. And yep. he, he looked phenomenal. Uh -huh. I, I think if he, he's in that kind of form. I look for him to win here. Right. Yeah. No, nothing, no, no better place or better venue than, you know, like I said, the bright lights of Madison Square Garden that, you know, will have, you know, packed to the brim. So if you want to, you know, want some fireworks in this one, probably tune in, tune into that fight. But yeah, like I said, we got a couple, couple title fights on there and we'll see, see what they can produce as well. But uh, yeah, so that, that wraps up uh, UFC, uh, UFC 281. Like I said, that that's going on this this Saturday night. So tune in, tune in for that. A lot, lot going on here in, in sports. So we're going to take a, a quick uh, commercial break. Uh, stick with us, and we'll be back here in about a minute.
This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. All right. Well, we're going to switch it up. and We're going to be uh, talking about football between college football and the NFL here for the next, uh, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. So if you like football, we got a lot of discussion here. But uh, the first topic we're going to kind of talk about here is maybe some some bad news or good news, depending on, you know, what you what you think. But uh, the uh, Indianapolis Colts just announced uh, Frank Wright will no longer be their be their coach for the rest of the rest of the season. They um, you know fired the former head coach. After they uh, kind of got off to a rocky start, three they went three five and one to start the NF, the uh, current NFL season. So, you know, we'll see we'll see what this what this uh, will, you know the impact for for the Colts. But I think you can look at this one and say, uh, you know, the offense was just a a, a mess for for mm-hmm. them. And I think that's that's where they point to this and say, you know, this you know I wouldn't say experiment, but you know that's just where his tenure kind of went went downhill downhill is is the offense um and you know coming from being an offensive guy coming from the you know former super bowl champions philadelphia eagles the colts really had high you know high aspirations that he'd be able to you know kind of fix the uh fix the offense there in indianapolis kind of find a a quarterback you know that that was going to be you know the guy for them in in indianapolis and just you know wasn't able to get it done matt what what do you think yeah you know i think that's kind of the the big problem here indy never really gave him a quarterback Mm -hmm. to work with it's always been kind of the guy on the downswing of their careers or close to retirement you know that that, that's tough for a coach to have to bring them in and and try to teach them a whole new system and, and make things work and it just it just hasn't paid off for them you know that i think that's Indy's biggest thing is they got to go out and they got to find themselves a franchise quarterback if they yep. really want to turn this thing around. Right. You know, Wright first career was 41, 35, and 1. But I think the other thing that really hurt him here, he's only had two playoff appearances and mm. what was it, like five seasons. Yep. So, yep. you know, I, I think Indy expects more. They, they were used to winning or at least being in the playoffs yep. and going, you know, possible uh, Super Bowl championships back right. in the day. Right. So, you know, I, I think it was time. I, I think they probably made the right decision. But to help out anybody they bring in, they're going to have to get themselves a quarterback mm-hmm. to, to really make this a viable team. Cause they've got some talent, you know, they've got a great running back, mm-hmm. got a good wide, young wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. So they, they just got to get that quarterback in place to really pull this team to the next level. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Matt. And I would say, you know, uh, kind of a piggyback off of that, the Colts um, in all five seasons under, under, you know, Frank Wright, they had a different starting opening day starting quarterback all five seasons. So just, you know, a lot of inconsistency, no, no way to really build anything there, you know, in Indianapolis, especially at that, you know, all important position of, of quarterback that, you know, just it seems, it seems to be more and more important every, you know, every week or, you mm-hmm. know, just continue that trend of being more and more important position. And, uh, you know, the Colts, the last couple of years have kind of taken a, a different approach instead of, you know, trying to, get kind of a franchise QB through the draft. 
they've they've done these you know kind of one year rentals mm-hmm. if you will i mean at first it started with philip rivers uh you know one year rental with with him and had some okay success you know got to the playoffs but you know just wasn't really able to do a whole a whole lot you know and then he he retires so then they bring in you know carson wentz you know who obviously has a relationship with frank Wright, you know with the with the eagles um but then after one season they trade you know carson wentz away bring in another you know franchise qb that was with the falcons and, and matt ryan and he only lasted seven games they've already benched him um and and you know i've basically said that that experiment, you know, probably not going to be, you know, what they, what they had hoped. So like I said, just a different, different approach than, you know, what maybe some of the other, you know, teams have done. They, they went through free agency to kind of try to find what you would say is their replacement for Andrew Luck, who, you know, suddenly retired, you know, at the end of uh, 2019 or, you know, 2019 season, they really haven't been able to find a guy that's been, been like that since. Uh, in this day and age, though, if, if you're getting a quarterback in free agency, you're yeah. probably not getting a great quarterback. Right. These teams are locking these guys up, and, yeah. and they're yeah. holding on to them if they're the talent and the, the face of their future. Right, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think on the on the flip side, you know, we, we talk about, you know, firing their, their coach or whatever, um, but they're actually bringing in a guy who, you know, familiar with the organization, um, whether it's, the the best move good move bad move i i I, interesting it's interesting to yeah to say the least uh so former you know indianapolis colts center jeff saturday who was somewhat involved with the organization kind of a consultant with the team but not really hold a a position like on the sideline anything it really is he was working for espn right right. and and uh you know is going to be the interim coach that's taking over i have some feelings about this i i don't i don't think that it's a good move. I, I think it's, you know, kind of a, a jab at the current staff that's there that, you know, the owner's basically saying, I don't trust any of the guys that are on the sidelines. So like, or what, he says, I can do better with a center who's never coached a day in his life right. in the NFL or otherwise. Right. I, right. I think he, they said he might've coached a little bit for in a high, high school, school team. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, he's got zero coaching experience. And, and I get it. I mean, he's familiar with the organization, mm-hmm. you know, a well-respected guy that, you know, is up in the rafters there, you know, in Indianapolis. And, you know, and, and I will say of the positions on the offense, the center is kind of the coach on, mm-hmm. you know, he's calling out the plays, right, he's, right. he's protecting all, the block, all that. Blocking so, schemes and everything. I mean, I, I get he knows a lot. I'm right. sure he knows what he's doing. Right. It's just, it seems very odd when there's so many capable coaches mm-hmm. out there. That right. They just jump right into, mm-hmm. we're, we're giving him the job. Right. Yeah. So it'll be be interesting. I, I think for me, it the first step is to try to win over that locker room. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on, you know, bringing in a guy, I would, I wouldn't say off the street, but, you know, kind of off the street, um, to come in and, and build that relationship with the team. Um, cause you know, like I said, the owner could have picked any number of coaches that are already on the staff to run, right. to run the team, or at least get by for this year until they could find who they wanted. Well, and it's not like this is a veteran team where these guys played with them either. So right, it's not right. like he has that rapport. Either. Right. So it's, it's going to be, I think that's the first step for, for Jeff Saturday is kind of making sure that that chemistry or that cohesiveness with, with, you know, the coaches and the players, um, it is going to be the first step to, you know, kind of building a, a winning team or, you know, trying to build, you know, maybe not a winning team, but go in the, in the right direction mm-hmm. with this, with this team. And, um, I, I think it, yeah, it starts on that offensive side of the ball. I mean, you can look at all the stats, the Colts rank in the bottom, almost dead last in every single offensive category. So that's, and, and, and you know, to Matt's point, I mean, they got some weapons on mm-hmm. that offensive side of the ball so that you wouldn't think that, I mean, 
at the very least mid tier, you would think. Uh, but like I said, they're almost dead last in every category. I mean, their running back had an MVP season a year right. ago, and right. now he's unheard of. Right, right. So it's it's you know something you know just wasn't wasn't going, just wasn't gelling. So I think to to get in the you know step in the right direction, they're they're going to have to figure out that offense and you know maybe simplify things or just get back to the to the basics, if you will. Um, but yeah, be interesting for the Colts. How they how the rest of the season go, um, and and you know we'll see what what Jeff Saturday you know can do, and you know maybe he'll be the the full time head coach you know mm-hmm. next year or you know we'll, or not we'll see we'll see what they what they decide to do based on the rest of the rest of the season. So, all right, well sticking with the NFL, we are gonna we're at about the halfway point of the regular season here, so we are going to kind of recap a little bit of kind of the midway point, kind of give us uh, kind of give you guys. Um, kind of our favorites to win the Super Bowl, kind of talk about, uh, you know, who we think the MVP might be, maybe our most surprising team through the, through the you know, halfway point, and maybe our, our, our most dis- disappointing team at the mm-hmm. same time. So we'll just, um, you know, start it off here um, with our with our favorite to, to win the Super Bowl. Matt, who, who, do you, who do you like there? Yeah, you know, this was a little difficult for me because it, a lot of teams are really jumbled up mm-hmm. right now. It, it's really looking like it could be anybody's game. Right. But, you know, uh, at the beginning of the season, I said San Francisco and I said Buffalo. Yeah. I, I've changed a little bit. I'm, okay. I'm still sticking with San Francisco. I think they've got the offensive pieces and the defensive pieces right. to be that team that can get to the Super Bowl. But I changed up from Buffalo. I, I got Kansas City now. And right. the main reason that Buffalo, their quarterback, just got injured last mm-hmm. week, and they're talking about it could be potential Tommy John surgery. Oh, wow. And if that's the case and he ends up being out for the season, I don't like Buffalo's chances mm-hmm. without him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that, that kind of – you know, changes my, my tune as well. I mean, I, I, in our, you know, quarter, you know, first quarter kind of review, uh, I had the bills winning, you know, winning the whole thing. I, I, at the midway point, I think the bills are still capable of winning, but I think it does, it hinges a lot on, on Josh Allen's health. And, um, you know, uh, we'll see, we'll see what the, you know, what the final result or, you know, if he has to have surgery or, you know, what, what the case is, um, you know, obviously doesn't look, doesn't look good. Um, you know, didn't, um, from everything I was reading, hadn't, hasn't practiced at all this week. So there's obviously some, some kind of issue. It's just to what extent is that, you know, is that really, uh, you know, uh, going to hinder the, the bills. And I think, you know, they go, you know, as Josh Allen goes, especially, you know, on that, on that offensive side of the ball, but, um, you know, they, they still do have a really, really impressive defense. Um, but I think, yeah, to, to, have a real shot at winning that Super Bowl. They they need Josh Allen to uh, you know be there and be under center for him. So, um, which you know kind of transitions into my next my next mm-hmm. point here with the MVP. I have Josh Allen as my as my MVP, yeah. but obviously that goes to goes to pot if mm-hmm. you know if he's not able to play for the rest of the year. Um, right. You know, at the quarter mark, I had Lamar Jackson, but you know I, I'm switching my tune to Josh. Josh Allen, because of, you know, the impressive start that the Bills have had, um, you know, number of points that they're putting up and, and just the individual stats that he got that he has. I mean, he's got almost twenty five hundred yards passing, 19 passing touchdowns, almost a, a hundred QB rating. Uh, but then on top of that, he's got all, also almost four hundred rushing yards. Right. Um, he does a lot to keep plays alive with his with his feet as well. So I think that's something that, you know, is kind of kind of tricky or people don't, you know, realize or whatever, but he's got, you know, quite a, quite a bit of rushing yards and, you know, does a lot with his, with his feet to keep plays alive too. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I also had Allen at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. for a potential MVP, yeah. but I've kind of changed my tune a little bit right. here. And that goes with 
who I just said would be in the Super Bowl in Kansas City. I got Patrick Mahomes now. Okay. He leads the league in passing yards with 2,605 and passing touchdowns with 21. And he's got the second fewest interceptions in the league with only six on the season. Right. He's playing great ball right now, and he's leading Kansas City. They're, they're playing great football as a team, and I think he's – Kind of leaderboard for the MVP. Yeah, and and kind of changed you know changed team or you know changed a little bit of his wide receiver group there. And obviously still has Travis Kelsey as his big weapon, but wide receiver group's kind of kind of different than yeah. what he's used to. Obviously without Tyreek Hill, and you know he's still you know slinging that pigskin around. So you know good good for him. But uh, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the rest of the season goes and who hoists that you know that it, that illustrious MVP see, uh, trophy at the end of the end of the season. But uh, you know, next we'll go into kind of most surprising, most surprising team. And, and for me at the at the beginning was, uh, you know, Jacksonville. They've kind of fallen off here. Mm-hmm. So most surprising team for me. And that that's my that's my New York Jets, baby. Um, they're, there. they're, they're sitting at six and three tied for second in the AFC East. I don't think I have to say any more than Vegas projected them to only have five and a half wins <laughs> the whole season. They already got more than that, and they're at their bye week now, and, right. and there's still plenty of winnable games on their on their season. That that's all I need to say. But I guess you should have placed that bet when we were out there for uh, for the draft, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But uh, I just think that yeah, this, this I've talked about it a couple of times. The last couple of draft classes, those that's been the difference maker for them, and especially this this you know draft class this patch this past uh, year with Sauce Gardner. Garrett Wilson, uh, Jermaine Johnson, even making, you know, making an impact. Um, you know, obviously Brees Hall was drafted in the second round, but had an impact until he went down with, you know, a season ending injury. Um, but yeah, this rookie class is just really stepping up in a big way and contributing far beyond, I think, what anybody was expecting. The, right. These Jets are making, you know, strides in there. I mean, have an impressive win this past week over, you know, who most people were picking to win the Super Bowl and the Buffalo Bills and, you know, have a real shot to, to win that division and go back to the playoffs for the first time, I believe, since 2008 or 2009. So, yeah, and those rookies are both in the running for rookie of the year for yeah. offense and defense, right. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, so absolutely. They, you know, they're playing amazing. So, I, I get where you're going with there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going with another six and three team. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, this yeah. Team at the beginning of the season was left for dead after Russell Wilson mm-hmm. left for Denver. Mm-hmm. They thought they had nothing left. Right. And, you know, all they've done is win. They, they've they gone 4-0 in their last four games. They're firmly in the playoff hunt with Geno Smith leading the right. way. Guy nobody thought would be getting Absolutely. the job done out there. And, you know, the guy who left, Russell Wilson, he hasn't played like himself at all. Denver's mm-hmm. on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. You know, I give Seattle a lot of credit for really turning this thing around right. and playing great football after everybody thought, well, their franchise is gone. They're going to be nothing. Right. They'll be and, picking at the top yeah, of the draft. Yeah, they're doing looking it. for a QB or, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think – Hats off to Pete Carroll. You know, yeah, yep. I think if if the Seahawks can continue to do, you know, win and, 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 you know, make it to the playoffs, I think he has to be almost a clear-cut favorite to probably win coach of the year. I, I don't think you can, you know, there's not too many others that you could say. Uh, you know, obviously the Jets coach, you know, with, right. with you know, if they continue to do what they're, what they're doing, obviously we're only halfway, halfway, you know, halfway point. We still got a lot of football to play to shake out the playoffs and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, no, Seattle's playing – playing great ball out there. That offense is, is really clicking. And yeah, I, I think if you could look at most surprising team in, in, in the Seahawks, probably most surprising player at the same time is Geno Smith, Smith because yeah. at the beginning of the season, there was no, it wasn't even a guarantee that he was even going to be the <laughs> right. starter and, and he, you know, won the job and he hasn't looked back since. So, you know, hats off to Seattle. They're, they're, they're playing great in a, in a tough division as well. Yeah. So 
we'll see if they can continue to, you know, keep, keep moving forward and, and, you know, continue to make, make a stride and, and, you know, be a surprise team that makes that makes the playoffs. Right. So, um, well, you know, on the on the flip side, then we got to, you know, talk about, you know, most surprising team. Well, we got to talk about most disappointing team mm-hmm. at the same at the same time. Um, and for me at the, you know, the quarter mark there, I, w- I was talking about the Rams, you know, probably could say the Rams are probably still pretty disappointing. Um, but, you know, I, I think that they're a halfway decent team or they got the pieces to continue to, you know, to maybe turn it around here. Right. But. At my most disappointing team, you know, here at the halfway point, that's the the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and I don't think anybody else, you know, it, it's crazy to me. They're sitting at three and six, but they're actually tied for second in their division. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and they're obviously a ways back from Minnesota in right. their division at, you know, even winning the division. And I think that team's got to win the division to make the playoffs. Yeah. The way it's yeah, going right yeah. there. Cause oh, a lot of the other teams are pulling away. Right. Yeah. Like at this point, like if they don't win the division, they pretty much have to win out from here. Like yeah. that's the only way I see them potentially making it and not yeah. win their division is mm-hmm. to win the rest of their games. And based on their performance so far, I, I don't, like I don't see that happening. I mean, and it just, you could go through the stats and go through all the numbers, but not only do they not have any offensive weapons, but just Aaron Rodgers doesn't look like himself no. either. He he's regressing, and maybe it's because he doesn't have any weapons. I don't know, but it, it just you know does not look like the same Green Bay Packers. So he he knew that when he resigned, they right. had already traded their their franchise wide receiver. Right. So you know I I don't know what he expected to have right. out there. And now the injuries are just piling up. Mm-hmm. They're they're running back. You know Aaron Jones was out this past game. Um, you know. Don't know what the extent of his injury looks like. Lost several pieces on that defense, and the defense has been kind of up and down, a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I just both sides of the ball, this Green Bay team just does not look good. I mean, this past week, the Lions, I, I believe their defense was giving up near 40 points a game. They only scored nine points against a Detroit sure. Lions team and, and wind up losing that game to, to, to Detroit. Uh, you know, I, I just – it feels like the Packers are getting – worse every week if that's even possible in that Detroit game didn't they have like first and goal from the one or two yeah and ended up yeah I think throwing an interception on Rogers Rogers had two picks in inside in the red zone in in in, actually in the end zone um so two scoring opportunities he had he had three total picks in that game two of them in the in the end zone and one of them yeah was right on the right on the goal line there so I don't know yeah this team has a lot of questions and no way to get quick answers in my, in my opinion, um, because like I said, the injuries just keep piling up and, and it, it, it just seems like the offense just keeps getting worse and worse every yeah. week. So, and if you couldn't tell from all my comments on this one, I had the exact same, same pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, well, so we'll see what, what they can do. Obviously, like I said, we're about halfway, halfway through the season. So a lot of, a lot of football left and we'll see, you know, if some of these teams can, keep winning or if they keep losing or, you know, vice versa. So we'll see, we'll see what happens and see who, who we're talking about. You know, we'll do kind of a, a three quarter review here, you know, in a, in a handful of weeks and then kind of a wrap up. And, you know, once it gets closer to playoff time and, you know, talk about, you know, maybe some of these teams we've talked about, or maybe we'll be talking about, you know, totally different teams. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, but anything can happen. Yeah. Again. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of, like I said, a lot of games and a lot of tight races, you know, amongst the divisions yeah. and, you know, just, you know, kind of a jumbled mess. no, real clear cut favorite i would say i mean there's there's a couple of teams that that are playing really well but and surprisingly the eagles still undefeated, undefeated at this point yeah. nobody so, saw coming right yeah so we'll see see if they can continue that and 
you know, finish unbeaten or, you know, somebody, somebody knocks him off. So, all right, well, we're going to move it over then to the, to the colleagues. Uh, we're going to give you our recap of our, our games from, from last week. Probably don't want to give a recap from last <laughs> week because all of us, all of us picked all the same teams and we did not do very well. So two and three, two and three um, which uh, puts us kind of the standings after, after week 10, uh, Matt still sitting on top there at 33 and 18, uh, myself at 32 and 19. And then dad is uh 30 and, and 21. So still really close, but uh, yeah, nobody gained any ground. Nobody lost any ground. We just had a terrible week as a collective. So we'll go through these really quick so I can erase my memory and move right. on to move on to next week. So um, <clears throat> we'll start there. Our uh, Friday night game out out on the West Coast at uh, you know at that at the time number twenty three ranked Oregon State uh, getting beat by uh, unranked Washington by a score of twenty four to twenty one real real close game in this one but uh, I think that the difference for me on in, in, you know in this one was was third down efficiency uh, Washington was eleven for eighteen on third down flip side Oregon State was four of ten on third down and 0 for 2 on fourth down. And both of those fourth downs was deep inside Washington territory uh, at the Washington 7 and at the Washington 15. I mean, that's that six points, six points yeah. right there. I mean, that's the difference. You you win the ball game there. And so I think that was the, that was the difference in a game that the weather played a fact. I mean, it was a terrible, windy, wet, rainy, crappy game. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, you got to take the points in those because you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get. And obviously that, that came back to bite Oregon State yeah. in that one. So, I mean, you look at the stats in this game, the score was closer than it really looked because mm-hmm. Washington outgained uh, Oregon State by over 100 yards. They held the OSU to 262 yards, with only yeah. 87 yards passing. Right. That's a terrible day passing mm-hmm. through the air. But, you know, kudos to Washington for getting it done and yeah. a and a bad, a bad, bad day to play football. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And 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 both these teams mistake after mistake. They they combined for 18 penalties for almost 200 yards. So, you know, I, I don't think you know. I think they somewhat shot themselves in the foot. You know, this probably could have been a little bit more high scoring if if we didn't have as as many penalties. But you know, Washington. You know, Washington gets it done, and we'll be talking about them here. You know, in um, you know, in our uh, new games for the week. But uh, you know, they get they get a win against you know a ranked opponent and continue their trend and keep kind of their Pac-12 title hopes, you know, alive there. So, all right. Well, then the the next game, which I think, you know, was probably the, the game of the of the week or, you know, everybody thought would be the game the game of the week. And that's, uh, you know, at that time, number 20, number one, Tennessee, going into number three, Georgia, and, uh, you know, coming out with a with a loss there. Uh, Georgia, Georgia takes this one by a score of 27 to 13 in a game that probably wasn't even that close, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Georgia's defense d- dominant. I mean yeah. that, and, and coming into this one, I, I knew it had to go one of two ways. Either Tennessee's offense was going to get the best of Georgia's and score, you know, their average, you know, around 40, 50 points a game, or Georgia's defense was going to set the tone and, and limit right. that Tennessee offense. And obviously we had the latter of the two. I mean, Georgia's defense only gave up 13 points. Like I said, Tennessee came into this one averaging almost 50 points a yeah, game. That's... They had six sacks. And another eight tackles for loss. Uh, you know, Hendon by far had his you know worst game of the of the year. And that Georgia defense, you know, they lost so much talent from last year. Yeah, but they look like good. yeah, they they filled it in, or you know, they they look like they you know never lost those guys. So Matt, what what you know anything you want to say about that? Well, one? like you said, that defense was just spectacular. They held that high power Tennessee offense to only two hundred eighty nine yards in the day. They forced mm-hmm. two turnovers. 
And they, they're just playing lights out. Right. They, they prove they're the number one team in the country. Absolutely. In, in a game where I thought maybe Georgia's offense didn't play, they played, you know, okay. okay. They did yeah. enough, I thought. You know, obviously, if they did enough, they got the victory. But I just I, I felt like it wasn't their best performance, so they mm-hmm. didn't really give their full effort on that. And then they didn't really have to. Their their defense, you know, really set them up for, for success. But, you know, I, I think this Georgia team, yeah, is, is dangerous because – they maybe didn't play their best game on the offensive side of the ball and still, you know, put up almost 30, 30 points. But right. it's going to be how to crack the code of, of that that Georgia defense. That's mm. you know that's the only way I see you know a team being able to hang with them is you know moving the ball on that defense, and that's you know easier said than done. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, then probably to the most exciting game of of all our games. Um, that's the uh, at the time number six Alabama taking another L to, at the time, number 10 LSU in overtime by a score of 32 to 31. Uh, wow, what a what a game, especially in the second Cuts half. Uh, second half featured six different lead changes just in the, in the second half. I mean, this game went back and forth, and then, you know, I, I tuned in for kind of the last, you know, couple minutes there in, in the game, um, and I remember saying to, you know, the group of guys I was watching the game with, Right after LSU scored on one, you know, one play in overtime, mm-hmm. I'm saying, go for two, go yeah. for two. You you scored that easily on an Alabama defense that you know not normally you know gives up those big plays. They're shocked. They're yeah, not yeah. Believing you it. you scored in one play in overtime. Go for two. You yeah. got them on the ropes. You got the momentum. You're at home. Go go for two. Sure enough, they go for two. They get it. Game over. Fans rush the field, you know, a historical moment for, for LSU. But Another $250,000 fine for, for right. LSU there for the, for the fans rushing the field. Right, right. The SEC's got to do away with that. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. Let the fans be fans. Right, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, Alabama, another another loss for them. Um, you know, But they're, <clears throat> they're still not out of the picture. Right, they're yeah. Up at still, nine. Yeah, they're still, still there, um, still a chance. Um, but it, it was crazy to see. Alabama hasn't lost at LSU since 2010. So almost, you know, 10, 12 year streak they had there, you know, uh, at, at LSU, but, you know, hats off to Brian Kelly. He gets, you know, a big signature win, probably his you know biggest win since he's been, you know, in his short time there, there at LSU. We'll see, you know, LSU's two loss team, you know, sneaking their way up there mm-hmm. had, had, you know, I thought they were a little bit higher ranked than what they should have been after the first playoffs come out, but, they 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 proved me wrong. Got a got a signature win here, and you know keep moving up the rankings, and you know Mel may be spell Man, they chaos. Still lost to Florida State, right? At the right. Of the year. That, that's got it's got to loop large here later later in the season. Right. Yeah. I think if you're compared resumes potentially, you know it, it, that that's definitely going to be a blemish on on their their resume. So, all right. Well, <clears throat> moving over then um, to our last couple of games and. This one, I don't think any, you know, Surprises none of us picked there. right. None yeah. of us picked it right. Um, but I think even for Clemson fans, probably weren't expecting this. And number four, Clemson, 14, Notre Dame, 35. Um, uh, to me, the defense and the special teams was was the difference. Yeah. Notre Dame's defense and special teams forced a block punt, ran it back for a touchdown, intercepted intercepted two different passes, and one of them they ran back 96 yards for for a touchdown. Had four sacks, another seven tackles for loss. Uh, Clemson just, I mean, from the beginning, just they look like they got blitzkrieg. They had no idea, like deer in a headlights look before they know before they knew it. They were down and just never recovered from right. there. <clears throat> and I, I won't say I, I thought this was going to happen, but 
Clemson's been flirting with this all season long. Mm-hmm. They've kind of kept teams close, hanging around. They haven't played to the best of their ability all season, and it really showed here. Yeah, Notre Dame got out. They just they went for the jugular. Yeah, absolutely. This thing. Yeah, and I think they went right into the heart of that Clemson defense. I mean, Clemson came into this game averaging less than 90 yards giving up on the ground. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame rushed for 263. Right. I mean, they just they they weren't afraid to go right at the heart of that defense, the strength of that defense. And they gashed them. I mean, they, they they had no no answer all all night. So, so what do you make of this Notre Dame team? Yeah. I mean, they're the team that at the beginning of the season was ranked so highly. Played played the Buckeyes Horrible. close in week yeah. one, and, and then take a, a sudden, take a couple losses yeah. to some really bad teams, right. and now all of a sudden they're you know trending playing uh, with the elite. Yeah, I mean it, it's I guess you know, they just needed to figure out you know what they had, what their pieces, what they're good at, and, and now that they know that they're a running team, that they have to establish the run. Um, because you know, quick stat on that, you know, they're five and zero in games where they rush for more than two hundred yards. So their identity as a team is run the ball, run the ball, run right. the ball. And if they can, you know, get over that two hundred mark, they feel like they have a real good shot at, at winning. But you know, you got to be able to, you know, get get blocks and you know, establish the line. And you know, so far they've been able to do that. We'll see, you know, how they how they do. They still have another, you know, big game left on the on the schedule against USC coming mm-hmm. up here in a couple of weeks. So. We'll see if this Notre Dame team really still is legit and, you know, maybe plays their way into, you know, a, a bigger bowl than, you know, maybe what we thought right. after week one or, you know, week two. So I, I didn't notice. Did, did they come in ranked this week? Or? Um, I think they did. I think they're maybe like 23rd okay. or 24th, some, some, somewhere in the back, the back half there. But yeah, I think that they are, um, you know, kind of, kind of in the rankings mm-hmm. now. So, all right. Well, last game on the slate to recap, and then we'll go over to our new games. Um, that's number 21, Wake Forest. Uh, taking a loss to uh, number 22 North Carolina State by the score of 30 30 to 21 another game that all of us got, all of us got mm-hmm. wrong and probably didn't didn't see didn't see coming exactly um, you know Wake Forest came into this game averaging you know well over 40 points a game and you know was held to you know half that um, but I think the difference for me in this one was you know the backup quarterback in, in MJ Morris came in and played well enough to, to get the win I mean right. it didn't have great stats but you know enough for them to you know uh come out on top and then they you know let the north carolina state you know defense do the do the rest well for nc state that was an offensive explosion for them putting up 30 points i don't think they've done that all season long so you know hats off to the the backup quarterback there and like you said their defense forced three turnovers had four sacks on the day Mm -hmm. they they did what they needed to do to get the w yeah and uh you know you talk about one-dimensional Wake Forest only had 17 rushing yards. Uh, I just think that puts too much pressure. I mean, not that Wake Forest quarterback's not capable of it, but I just think that takes, you know, that that's puts a ton of pressure mm-hmm. on a game that wasn't like Wake Forest was blown, like was getting blown out that they, all they had to do was throw the ball. They, I mean, this was a close battle back and forth. Right. It wasn't like they, they needed to throw the ball every, every down. That's just, just what they keep, chose to do. Like, honest, yeah. yeah. But you, you gotta, you know, do something more than, than 17 rushing yards. So, Wake Forest, you know, back-to-back losses for them. So we'll see if they can, you know, get it turned around there in the ACC and, you know, keep keep their season, you know, going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll uh, switch it over then to our five games of this of this week. We'll see if we can get on the right path here and get get a winning record. But uh, you know, first game we're gonna gonna start with, and that's a, a Big Ten battle, um, kind of a Big Ten West battle, if you if you will. These two teams currently kind of sit atop the two uh you know two best teams out out in the big 10 west and that's purdue coming in at five and four um going up against number 21 that's playoff ranking number 21 illinois at seven and seven and two 
a noon battle over on ESPN two and uh, Illinois is currently favored by six and a half. Matt, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, you know, looking at both these teams' offenses, there's there's not a lot of difference for these two on that side of the ball. They're really close, but you, you look at the big difference here, and it's on the D. Illinois has only given up ten points per game compared to Purdue giving up twenty five. I think Illinois' defense does enough to slow Purdue down. Illinois gets just enough points and wins this thing. Yeah, I like I like the pick there, Matt. I, I think Illinois gets it gets it done. I think it's going to be a close battle, maybe even closer than that six and a, mm. six and a half points. Uh, I think weather is going to play a factor into this and uh, you know cause some cause some havoc. But in a, in, and in a game like that, you got to have a running game. You got to be able to you know secure the ball. I think Illinois. They got a running back in, in Chase Brown that leads the NCAA in, in rushing yards and rushing attempts. I think Illinois can really rely heavily, you know, in bad weather on that on that running game. Um, but you know, something to look at. Purdue has won five of the last six in this series. So we'll see if that trend trend continues. But I like the fighting Illini. The Chief, you know, dad's not not here, but he did give me his picks. He likes to fight in Illini in this one as well. So it's gonna be another five for five week. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. I, I don't believe so, but but we'll just have to wait and see. Um next game on the on the slate, and it's a uh, you know, ranked versus ranked. That's the reeling number nine Alabama at seven and two, going on the road to number eleven old miss at eight and one, three thirty game over on CBS and Vegas still likes Alabama, even though, you know, Alabama's been an up and down and has not been very played very well on the road. Mm-hmm. They're still favored by almost two touchdowns against an old Miss team that's only lost one game. Um, so we'll, we'll see what, what Vegas thinks. But, you know, it, it's interesting. I looked at it. Alabama hasn't lost two games before their, you know, last game of the year since 2010. Um, so th- this is, you know, unfamiliar territory for this Alabama team. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I'd like Saban in, in a game, you know, back up against the wall. Yeah, it's going on the road, but, uh, you know, we talked about it before. When's the last time that, that Alabama or Nick Saban's lost back-to-back games? Um, and I just think in this one, it's going to be Alabama Alabama in their losses as the only way that they've lost. They, they beat themselves. Right. This team is so heavily penalized and, and, and commits so many mental errors that that's what you know causes them a lot of times to lose these close games that they that they have. Um, I, I think that they they correct it, they get it done on the road, they beat Old Miss um, and, and and get another victory, keep themselves somewhat alive for for a playoff spot. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, Matt, who who do you like in this? One? Yeah, you know, looking at the stats, Alabama's statistically better in most every category uh, out there, and you know they're definitely going to be looking to bounce back after their second disappointing loss this season. You know, like you said, it's been forever since Alabama's lost two games before the end of the season. I can't even imagine when the last time is they lost three, three games. Right, right. So, you know, I I think Alabama, Nick Saban, the, the coach, won't let them lose. You right, know, they, right. They, they get this thing done. I think it probably will be closer to 11 and a half. Yeah. So this whole Miss team is pretty good. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that 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 spread is pretty, pretty high um, for this one. But I think Alabama gets it done. The Chief agrees. He likes Alabama in this one as well. So, all right. Another uh, ranked versus ranked over in the uh, American Athletic Conference, and that's number 22, UCF, uh, coming in at 7-2, and two, going up against number 17, a surprise number 17, uh, Tulane at 8-1, and 330 game over on ESPN2. Currently, Vegas has Tulane favored by a point and a half. Real, real tight margin, they, they feel like, 
in this one. Uh, Matt, what, what's your take on this game? You know, these are another two teams. You look at them on paper, and they're they're almost identical. But, you know, to me, the, the big thing that stood out was how balanced UCF is, and I think that's what's going to make the difference. Right. Their offense averages 261 yards passing, 240 yards rushing. They get it done, you know, through the air and on the ground. So I, they're definitely – far from one dimensional. Mm. So it's going to be hard to take anything away from them. Yeah. I think they do just enough to get this thing done. All right. Well, that's where we're going to come to a disagreement <laughs> here. I like, I like the, I like the green wave to continue, continue their, you know, surprising season off to their best start since 1998. Um, I think that, that, that trend continues. They are playing at home. I think that, that Tulane has a, has a slightly better defense than, than UCF, but, yeah, I expect this one to be a, a close battle, kind of a back and forth one, like a Cincinnati uh, game, really. Yeah, yeah, I think, but I think Tulane comes out on top. I'm the lone, the lone man picking Tulane. <laughs> the Chief likes the UCF, the the, the Knights uh, to to get a victory along with Matt. So I may may get one here if uh, you know if I'm lucky, but we'll we'll see. Tight tight game, I think. Yeah. All right, uh, moving over then to the to the West Coast, we got uh, number 25 Washington coming in at seven and two. Uh, going up against the sixth-ranked Oregon Ducks at eight and one, seven seven p.m. game over on Fox. There, Vegas is giving Oregon thirteen points on this one. Pretty pretty big spread. Yeah. Um, but you know the Ducks have been phenomenal since that opening you know week loss mm-hmm. to Georgia, where we thought, man, this Georgia this Oregon team, man, they're not you know they are definitely not the team we thought they were. Well, since that point, they've won eight straight since right. then. So and, and they've done it. This offense is really clicking. They got uh, over 43 points, averaging over 43 points a game, and then a total of 520 total yards a game. And I think you have to look at that's that's on the you know on the the strength of their quarterback and Bo Nix. This guy's got almost 2,500 passing yards, 22 passing touchdowns, only five interceptions, another almost 500 rushing yards, and an additional 13 rushing touchdowns. This guy is accounting for you know. A, a boatload of points for for this Oregon team. I think they go as he goes. Um, but you look at Washington; they got a more than capable quarterback there. Um, you know, <clears throat> I like the Ducks. I like the Ducks to get it done. But whatever the over under is in this game, hammer that over. I think this one's going to be <laughs> going to be going to be points galore. <laughs> I think du- the Ducks have a have a have a much better defense than than Washington. They'll be able to get some crucial stops. You know, at, at the right time. But I, I expect points in this in this Pac-12 shootout. Yeah, these these two teams are scoring almost identical amount of points. They're giving up almost identical amount of points. So you know, to me, I had to go to looking at what these guys did against common opponents. Mm-hmm. Every common opponent they had, Oregon won by the larger margin of victory, mm-hmm. and they also had the win over UCLA, who Washington ended up losing to. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Oregon in this game, but I think it's closer than that 13 and a half. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we agree. We agree on that pick. Uh, the chief likes the ducks to get it done at home as well. So I will say, like you said, as, as Bo Nix goes, Oregon goes, right. and he if, if he, prone. he's prone to having yeah. a bad day, right. so right. It, it's very possible, you know, if bad Bo Nix shows up, right. it could get ugly. Yeah. Could go the other way. So, all right. Well, last game on the slate, another ranked versus ranked. We're over in the big, in the big 12, a uh, surprising TCU team ranked number four, getting that fourth spot in the playoffs. 9 and 0 going up against a number 18 Texas team at 6 and 3 7:30 p.m. over on ABC and uh Vegas likes the the Longhorns giving them a touchdown mm-hmm. you know in in this game even though TCU like I said higher ranked team you know surprise team they like Texas in this one they they feel that TCU hasn't proved enough to 
to get their blessing there in Vegas. And uh, I think I have to disagree with them. I like the I like the Horn Frogs in this in this game, and I think I have to look at look at this one. So far in the season, TCU in one score games, a three and zero record in 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 tight ones. Texas on the on the other hand, one and two in in games. So I think if this one gets close, and TCU likes to play their games close, they like to you know they like to get down for some reason and then right. make comebacks. I don't know. That's just a trend that they they like, and they've you know done it done it so far this season. I like the balance that that TCU they're they're really starting to kind of establish that running game a little bit more. Um, I like TCU with the with the balanced offense to get the win and uh, you know keep keep their streak going. Yeah, the the stats do point to TCU being the better team here, but watching both of these teams this year, I've just got a gut feeling Texas is going to win this game. Right. TCU, like you said, they've tended to get down early in a lot of their games and then fight their way back yeah. and ultimately come out on top. I think if they get down against this Texas team early, I don't think Texas lets them All crawl right. back in. I think Texas gets the win. All right. Well, we uh, we kind of disagree on this one, Matt. You're the lone the lone island on that there one. The, the chief likes uh, you know likes TCU in this game. So myself and Dad agree on TCU, and Matt's the the loner with Texas. So a little bit of little bit of jockeying for position possibly we'll in this one this week in this sure. one. So we'll see what happens but yeah a lot of, a lot of great games even this late in the season got a lot, a lot of great games on the on the slate so we'll see we'll see what happens so but uh that's it for our show this week uh we uh, appreciate you listening to fired up with your hosts Colton Cow Matt Cordes we uh hope you enjoyed our episode this week and uh want to hear other topics for future episodes or you know you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram our uh, handle is fired up underscore podcast or you can find us over on Facebook if you search for Fired Up, Comma Sports Podcast. Um, or you can always head over to our website, which is www.firedup1.podbean.com, where you can find all of our past episodes and you know just a little bit of information about the show. And you can find all of our past episodes and even this episode um, on all the different uh, podcast platforms: Spotify, Google, Apple, um, Pandora, any of them, where you can find you know listen to podcasts. You can find our show. So. Appreciate you all listening, and as always, stay stay fired fired up. up.